Hello, my friends. Hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy and enjoying life as much as humanly possible right now. Um, I also hope you enjoyed the last podcast episode that I put out. That conversation with my friend Katie was seriously so much fun. Like so many like unexpected cool moments. And I swear I say that probably every episode, uh, but I just... I love podcasting. It's so much fun. But yeah, that conversation was was awesome. I was laughing or felt inspired basically the entire time, which is such a cool mix of feelings and emotions to experience, especially on a podcast. So um, I'm just I'm just so grateful that Katie and I reconnected and that she wanted to come on the podcast. And I think that reconnection that we made has actually been one of the best parts of the hot mess that is 2020. Um, I've actually reconnected with a couple of friends in the last few months, and it's been such a pleasant surprise that's brought me a lot of joy, and it's definitely balanced out some of those tougher moments of 2020 for me. So thanks again to Katie for joining last episode, and if you haven't listened to it already, go for it. We discuss everything from writing and mental health to goofier things like astrology and desserts we like. So there's it's really something in there for everyone. So for today's episode, I thought we'd continue the sort of series-ish of episodes that I started before that episode with Katie. Uh, one of the things that I've talked about on this podcast is identity, as I'm sure you all know. And I had a goal to dedicate episodes to certain identity lenses and then kind of dive deeper into those. So a couple episodes ago, not sure if you listened, but I talked about my sexual identity and came up with some cool metaphors that I was pretty proud of and talked about just everything queer and beautiful. So it was amazing. But that was just that was also a really fun episode to record. Again, repeating myself. Um, and we're going to continue with that identity theme again in this episode. So this time, we're actually going to talk about gender. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that, but gender. Um, yes, we're going to talk about gender. <laughs> Sorry, I think in my head... Some of my friends say this like powder, baby powder thing. And I think when I said gender, it like made me think of that. Anyway, yes, we're talking about gender identity and it's a hefty topic, but it's truly an awesome one. And I'm really excited to talk about this one too. Before I get into gender, and I don't know why it's so fun for me to say it that way, but I I kind of uh, unfortunately guarantee that I'm going to say it at least a few more times in this episode. So hope you're okay with that. But um, I just wanted to say before I end the episode, I said this last episode, but I just want to say that I am not an expert on these topics, not pretending to be an expert. Um, As I talk about many times, our personal identities can change and evolve. And there's a lot more I can learn about myself and identity and DEI in general. So I'm not trying to act as a teacher or a preacher. Um, I am just purely here just to share my stories and my perspectives, hopefully start up some conversations. So, um, I would love for this podcast to be that safe, brave space for everyone of all identities to listen and start conversations with each other. And so I'd encourage you all to listen to this episode and all episodes, even ones with guests with an open mind and open heart. I feel like this is like the beginning of like a 
movie where they read like closed captioning or something. Anyway, continuing, the some of the topics that we're going to talk about might feel uncomfortable or confusing or maybe even boring, hopefully not at times, but I hope this podcast can encourage you to be brave, have these sometimes tricky, difficult conversations in your own life, and maybe even look at the world or the people around you a little differently than you did before, perhaps with more empathy and understanding. <laughs> There is your message. It sounds like a PSA or something. So, gender. (laughs) Okay, well, there's one more time. Keep it counting. But let's get started. Let's do this. So I mentioned in the sexual identity episode that I wrote some articles on my website, maggiepelleton.com, about each of these identity lenses. Well, not all of them, but some of the identity lenses. And I've actually written a good amount about gender already, which I actually didn't even realize until I looked back. Um, I guess this is all part of like the master plan, sort of. I'm not actually that calculating. But I wrote one about my gender that starts off by talking about Steph Curry, actually, which I (laughs) kind of forgot about. But I promise in the end, the article ties it all together. Um, And then I also wrote another gender article about my specific gender identity and sexual identity and how they intersect in my life. I wrote about cutting my hair super short and how that's helped my gender expression feel more authentic, I guess. And, oh yes, I wrote another article about identity language with a part about different terms that are often used when discussing gender identity and some other lenses. So I'd love for you all to check those out, and I don't want to repeat a ton of information on there since that's basically pointless. So if you want more background information on gender terms or gender identity as a whole, please check that out on my blog on maggiepilliton.com. So in that article on my website entitled by gender colon something, 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 I can't even remember. Um, the, the one that I wrote a couple years ago, I, I said that I identify as a female, but have always had some more gender non-conforming characteristics, meaning that I don't necessarily appear or express my gender in a more traditionally feminine kind of way. And ugh, I'm sorry, even just saying that phrase traditionally feminine makes me want to vomit. Blech. Sorry, I just did that on air. Yikes. Um, but just the idea of masculinity and femininity, that's a hard word to say, femininity. That reminds me of the Finding Nemo episode that's like, anemone, anemone, anyway, whoa, okay, Um, what was I saying? The idea of masculinity and femininity is very socially constructed to me. It's another systemic problem. Why are certain characteristics naturally identified as being quote-unquote male traits or female traits? Like, why is it that historically sports have been linked to men or like why is it that wearing dresses or putting on makeup is historically linked to women like why ugh major ugh but so the reason why that's a major ugh to me is because gender has been ingrained in us forever as a binary and girl it ain't I just snapped I don't know if you heard that but that came with like a z snap but it's true Gender is not just 
man or woman. Like with sexual identity, there's a spectrum of identities that fall under the gender umbrella. How cool is that? So anyway, I kind of digressed. Are we surprised? No. But it's interesting to me now to look back at that original gender article that I wrote and see a change in my own language around my own identity now. Um, it like it honestly felt kind of like a time capsule for me to look at and to read. Um, I think my gender identity has evolved even since I wrote that article, or maybe it's, well, actually, maybe it's just like that I've explored my full gender identity more and have felt more brave, but yet also comfortable sharing more about my true gender identity. So I, I guess just to start this, I will say that my gender identity is a gender nonconforming or gender fluid female. So this is a term, or I guess a long phrase, that I actually only fully adopted recently. To me, it kind of felt like when I struggled to fully come out because I couldn't find the right label for my sexual identity. I always felt like I had to choose between being a cisgender female and being non-binary or gender fluid. And it seriously wasn't until over the summer that I did that professional development workshop training thing that I think I've mentioned on here before that I fully accepted the full term gender fluid female. It, uh, it, it came out of some serious moments of vulnerability and some really tough conversations I had and just some really deep, incredible connections I made to other people in the program too. And all of those things made me feel like I could simply adopt whatever term felt right. If I, if, you know, if it meant, combining those two ideas into one that was okay and that was the first time in my life that I felt like that 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 was okay so gender non-conforming or gender fluid female just feels right to me remember in that sexual identity episode that I did when I talked about the perfect t-shirt thing that's what this term feels like for me it feels like that perfect t-shirt and then also in that sexual identity episode I mentioned the fur coat and what a metaphor. Um, The old labels or norms or expectations that I've had to shed to get to that comfy t-shirt, that's what I refer to as the fur coat. Um, And so to me, that fur coat was kind of using just the term female. And yes, I identify as a female and I'm damn proud of that. Mm -hmm. I love that part of myself, but it just doesn't tell the full story. So Like I was thinking about when I'm filling out some form, like an online form. I have no idea what kind of form, but I'm just thinking. And I'm asked to check male or female. I check female, but like, like, oh my goodness, that feels like such a loaded question for like just a simple form. And I I, I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. And it's annoying because first of all, it implies that people are only male or female and wrong. That is absolutely wrong. And again, it also just doesn't allow me to use my full phrase, which I love, which is my true gender identity. It's not just female, it's gender fluid female. And that's an important distinction for me. I, throughout my life, I have been asked before if I was a boy or a girl or told that I look like a boy or sound like a boy. And most of the time those comments come from children. So, you know, part of me kind of takes that with a grain of salt, but I, on the other side of the spectrum, I guess, I don't know if that's the right phrase, but I also am gendered as a girl and people, you know, can lump me in when they use phrases like ladies or, you know, whatever. 
another ugh. But uh, again, it just it doesn't tell the full story. So we we can't make assumptions about people's gender. Even if you know someone's pronouns, it still doesn't always tell the full story. So yeah, and for example, I use she, her pronouns. And I haven't, I personally just haven't adopted they, them pronouns just because it doesn't feel quite right for my particular identity. Um, she, her is what feels right to me. But I don't identify as a strictly cisgender female, which potentially complicates things or makes it more confusing for people. But whatever, <laughs> it's my identity. Bottom line is let's not make assumptions about any part of someone's identity. And, you know, I'd even take it a step further and encourage folks to wait until the person is comfortable to share their pronouns or any element of their identity, really, instead of forcing them to answer, what are your pronouns? Or or having to answer some awkward, possibly traumatic question like, are you a boy or a girl? So, I mean, th- I mean, that actually, that makes me think of like when I'm asked, what are you <laughs> in reference to my race? Like, talk about, ugh, moments, ugh. So many ughs in this episode so far. Um, but more on that particular ugh in my racial identity episode that I will do later on. Um, but when I use the phrase gender fluid female, it honestly feels a little scary, mostly because I know that it'll probably invite questions or, you know, force me to have to tell my story yet again or draw more attention to myself in a conversation, which I hate. Which actually, maybe some of you are like, don't you love attention? Like, you have a podcast. And no, I don't (laughs) love that extra attention. I just like talking. (laughs) And would, like, absolutely be mortified if I were to hear someone, like, listening to my podcast. Like, oh my god, that just, that feels so uncomfortable. Just don't love that extra attention. Besides the point, though, to me, using the phrase gender-fluid female feels like, oh, I feel like, okay, I have another metaphor coming. Uh, let's see. Using the phrase gender fluid female feels like a fresh new haircut. (laughs) And I kind of love this like metaphor run we're going on. The writer in me is like, yes. Also, the writer in me is actually really embarrassed because I just realized those are similes if I'm using the word like or as. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but yay, simile run or metaphor run, whatever. The writer in me is still like, yes. <laughs> also, I've had to clear my throat like 17 times already since the start of this episode. Swear I'm not sick, but just got some phlegm or something. I blame the smoke. But anyway, so if my voice sounds weird, that's why. <laughs> Let's paint a little picture here. Um, Okay, so let's say you've had the same haircut for most of your life and you decide to go bold and cut a bunch of it off. And I know this probably sounds very similar to my story, but this really could apply to anyone. So let's say you get the Maggie slash Melissa King haircut and... You shave the sides of your head and you shave the back of your head so it's a little longer and cut the top part of your hair so it's shorter and swoopier and slicker and more fun. And I don't know about you all, but going out in public, I mean with any new haircut really, but like let alone a completely different look, is kind of nerve-wracking. And by kind of nerve-wracking, I mean very (laughs) nerve-wracking, which... 
I mean, it shouldn't be though, because it's your hair. So like, who cares what everyone else thinks? But to me, it feels a little bit like you're naked in front of anyone. <laughs> Actually, no, ew, no, don't, don't get creepy, Maggie. Um, <laughs> let's try that again. Uh, it feels like you're revealing a super vulnerable part of your soul. <laughs> that sounds like deeper and like more intense, but but I mean, but it's true. It's revealing a very vulnerable part of yourself, like your gender identity, tied it all together. So there's also an element of not wanting to have to tell your story over and over again, which I said earlier. Um, you know, just the story of how you got the haircut or what inspired you to get it or blah, 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 blah. So, and that actually kind of sounds like coming out and having to tell that story over and over again. And that's a lifelong process, people. But at the same time as, you know, that fear and those nerves are circling around you, you also like deep, deep down feel really badass like it feels like that sexual t-shirt ew wait no ew god maggie (laughs) so creepy um it feels like the the comfy whatever phrase i use perfect t-shirt there we go that i mentioned in the sexual identity episode (laughs) that doesn't have like quite the same ring to it but i'll just use it to avoid being super creepy so it just feels right and it just fits right like you literally shed the hair off of your back wait no that's that's wrong not not off your back well well i don't know maybe ew i don't know um okay you literally shed the hair off of your head or off of your skull (laughs) to get the haircut that truly feels like you so that old haircut like the you know the split ends the the bowl cut you had the mullet you had you know just whatever style you're trying to get rid of it's like that fur coat from the sexual identity episode too but also you know what's really cool about that haircut everyone you are not tied to one haircut for your entire life i know mind-blowing i mean yes there are some haircuts that would require you to grow out like the shaved sides of your head for example for a significant amount of time or you know sometimes like other minor details like that that can't be avoided but in general if your haircut doesn't feel quite right you always have the chance to find one that feels more true to you and that is just like gender identity i struggled fully embracing my gender identity for so many years and it just it never felt quite right and like my hair previously it felt heavy and complex and like something I just wanted to avoid and just not have to deal with. And But it's a reminder that all parts of your identity can evolve. They can change over time or you can even start discovering elements of your identity that you weren't aware of before or that became clearer over time with more of that language or more connections or experience or whatever, really. And the beauty of having an expansive list of gender terms, kind of like sexual identity too. The, and the beauty of that identity in itself is that is that exploration process that it allows for. So if something doesn't feel quite right, there is something out there for you that will. And maybe it's not in a comprehensive list. Maybe, maybe female alone doesn't feel quite right. 
or maybe gender fluid on its own doesn't feel quite right. And maybe it means creating your own label, like gender fluid female. I haven't heard that one before. I'm just kidding. Um, and maybe it does mean having to tell your story about your identity or your haircut over and over again. But everyone should have the right to explore their identity, no matter what social constructs or norms or whatever other BS there is in place. I am here to say and to reiterate that gender is not a simple thing. It's really not. And everyone has a different experience with it. And everyone is still learning a lot about it. There is still so much more information that all of us can learn about and more experiences that we can learn from, from other people. Some people are naturally comfortable with the sex that was assigned to them at birth. And some people aren't. And some people don't know that they're not comfortable with it until later on in life. Some people don't identify with a gender at all. And you know what? That's freaking fantastic. That's what makes all of this beautiful. We are all so different and have such different complex identities. And that is beautiful, folks. It is. And we need to we need to appreciate that and understand that. And we need to be able to tell our own stories in our own words. Not get labels put on us. Not get social constructs or norms put on us. And we need to see the beauty in what we don't know and what our differences are. That is quite the hefty goal, but it's true. We need to see the beauty in what we don't know. I will say that my new haircut makes me feel damn proud. I am proud of my bravery to cut my hair, even if in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I'm proud of the, for lack of a better word, journey I took to get to the point where I could cut my hair and for the journey that I took to learn more about my gender identity and how I wanted to express it with words and through my appearance and with actions. I am proud to be a female and the battles that I've had to fight my entire life because I'm a female. The moments I've had to prove myself at a job or the moments I've had to speak up for myself. Um, The adversity I've had to overcome. So much of that is part of my pride. But I, as proud as I am to be a female, I am even more proud to be a gender fluid female. Like literally, I want to like shout that from the rooftops or just say it again because that just feels so freaking good to say it. So I'm going to say it again. As proud as I am to be a female, I am even more proud to be a gender fluid female. Boom. (laughs) That felt good. Uh, And, you know, some might hear that phrase and might label it as different or weird or confusing but that just that doesn't matter to me I'm just proud and with some reluctance I am proud to tell my gender identity story and I'm proud to have a gender identity that might sound unique to some but to me it just feels right so folks as with many things in the Maggie Pillagen world There is literally so much more I want to say about gender. (laughs) We escaped that for so long and now we're back. But I hope this gave you a glimpse into gender identity as a whole, maybe, but also some of my own experiences with gender identity. And if you're craving more, 
because who isn't craving more information about gender identity in Maggie's life? <laughs> like, really? Like, seriously? Um, did that sound overly cocky? Because I feel like I have some of those moments and I'm, I say it in like a self-deprecating way, but I don't know if that comes across through the podcast. So I hope it does. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but yes, if you want more, please check out my blog on maggiepelton.com, as I've said like 45 times. You can literally type in the word gender into the search bar on the right side of the browser or on your phone. Actually, on the phone, I think it's at the bottom. Anyway, I sound like a customer service rep right now for MaggiePilton.com, but I guess I essentially am. Um, <laughs> you will find all of the gender <laughs> articles you want there. And that actually has been tested thoroughly because as I kind of mentioned before, literally before recording this episode, I literally did that same search to see what I had already talked about on the website and what articles I had written because I hadn't, I didn't know what I had written about. So that shouldn't be a surprise. I have no memory folks <laughs> and you should remember that. Or if you don't, maybe we can just be best friends and have that in common. <laughs> so as I usually sometimes always sort of maybe what else <laughs> i don't know what i usually do to end these episodes is i do a yo mags question yay so here it is oh wait actually not yet so just to preface this question has nothing to do with gender identity but whatever it's it's fine we're gonna mix it up a little like we did last time so I also want to say this question is from a very, very loyal, awesome, supportive Twitter follower of mine who I swear has been following me since like the Bay Area sports blog days for Maggie or like maybe even before that. I don't even know. But seriously, she is like the real OG, the real MVP. She's everything. So shout out to Emily. And her Twitter handle is at EmilyN7914. So give her a follow because she is truly a peach. So thank you for all your support, Emily. And here's the Yo Mags question you asked me to do. So here it is. Yo Mags, is it time for the Giants to have a full-on youth movement or no? I know that Buster opted out of the season, but it seems that it might be time to turn the page on a few of the vets thoughts what a spectacular question emily which does not surprise me because again emily is the og and she's fab you know so i think it was maybe after the 2016 no that's too long ago a few seasons ago i can't even remember but like a few seasons ago maybe even two seasons ago i know the giants were kind of like in this weird limbo period where they were between a rebuild and like the championship years so it's kind of this like awkward phase. You know how we all have like an awkward phase in like middle school where we're just awkward. Like in our in our in our language, in our clothes, just everything. You know what I'm talking about? Everyone's been through it. Maybe even later than middle school. But the Giants were kind of in that awkward phase where they're like, Well, we really love Buster and Brandon the both Brandons and like all the oldies but we also like kind of suck so like we kind of need some young players in the system to come up and like help us out but we also don't want to call it a what's oh my god i literally just blanked oh a rebuild wow um so they were kind of in that awkward phase and i kind of feel like 
they're sort of still in that awkward phase, but like kind of trying to come out of it. So this season I thought was like kind of similar to a few seasons ago when that first became a thing. But this season was actually like approached in a much smarter analytical way. So like bringing in Gabe Kapler, even though it was a little controversial, he represents like a new wave of coaches, right? And like even kind of Zaidi, the president um, of the Giants, he, they both represent, they both love analytics, love statistics. That's kind of a new thing. Um, He's a younger coach. Gabe Kapler is. Um, And he can relate to the players in that sense. And again, setting aside the controversy, that does kind of represent a change in the organization. You know, Bochy was amazing. Again, Hall of Famer, love the guy. But this is definitely like a different style of baseball. You know, a lot more focus on shifts and and like certain statistics that aren't always looked at. Like, I mean, war, for example, is usually looked at. Wins above replacement. But there's also like launch angle and like stuff like that that hasn't always been historically looked at. So anyway, wow, I'm rambling. But my answer is that I feel like they're still kind of in that phase, but with a better approach. So they're bringing up and find they're bringing up these younger players and then they're finding these kind of random players that unexpectedly end up becoming really great productive players like Zaidi did with the Dodgers and like he did with Yastrzemski on the Giants for example and then they're bringing up other players slowly like you know like Mauricio Dubon and uh Steven Duggar and like Joey Bart and like those guys but then they still have some of the same core like the Busters and those guys but then they also have you know, they'll bring in some other veterans like Wilmer Flores or again a few years ago like Evan Longoria. So there's this interesting mix right now and I think it's a tough it's a tough thing to know what to do. I, I see why they're still going through that phase where they're kind of acknowledging both. I do think that they have built up their farm system and have some really, really intriguing young pieces. And even though like Yastrzemski, for example, isn't as young as some others, I think he's 30, which is young, but not in baseball years. I think it's smart to build the team that way. You have a Joey Bart, who's clearly going to take over for Buster one day. Question is when. You know, you have a Yastrzemski. You have solid kind of like core, like bench players, like Austin Slater and Donovan Solano. And like, you know, Mauricio Dubon can play all over the place. But then... When do you start phasing out the Brandon Crawford, the Brandon Belt, the Evan Longoria, the Buster? When do you like, or just have them change positions or something? And I know for a while the organization talked about doing platoons for like Brandon Crawford or whatever. I think it's going to be really interesting to see the offseason additions we make. I think there should be a mix where I, I would love to go after some younger players and start bringing those in and then kind of start slowly phasing out the older players. You know, we have some great stretches from Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt and those guys, but it is hard to continue to build around them when they are getting older and when we do need to start looking at the future. So I think there's a way to still build around the future and have that more of that youth movement, but then like slowly phase out the older players instead of just like a cold turkey, like we're doing a youth movement. See y'all later. So I don't know if that's like a fantastic answer because it's a little wishy-washy, but that would be my answer. I think Zaidi and Gabe Kapler and the whole Giants front office and the coaching staff, I think they have a fantastic approach right now. Like I actually really trust them and I really do feel like they're going to build a fantastic team. The coaching staff is young and and innovative and creative and they have really gotten the respect of the players. 
So that's a great way to kind of like infuse that youth movement there and then trickle it down to the field. Continue that youth movement, continue to give some of our older vets some reps, but start to slowly phase them out. Unfortunately, like I feel like they're just going to have to accept that and know that that's what's going to happen. But I think I do have faith in the Giants. I think, you know, it was a surprise that they almost made the playoffs this year. And I think I think next year I, I have I kind of have some faith in them again. Who knows what the season will look like, but I think we're set up well and we have the pieces add in some more pieces but I feel like we have a good solid foundation to to make a postseason run who knows if we'd actually win the world series I kind of doubt it but like I think the next few years are going to be very telling in terms of did these risks and these younger players that we trade for and and like you know the draft picks that we have coming up like are they really going to supply that postseason success that Giants fans are used to so I'm excited as a Giants fan and that was a really long answer but uh that would be my answer. So thank you again, Emily, for submitting it. Well, uh, that's all, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, another great episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully we'll be coming at you with another one in the next few weeks. But until then, hope you all are doing well, and I will talk to you again soon. Thanks again. Bye.